Revolting is produced by the Cycling Independent, the only cycling media completely free of commercial influence. We are community-supported and dedicated to the whole of cycling. As our tagline says, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. This is Revolting with Robot and steve on the Cycling Independent, episode 17, uh, The Lightning Round. The Lightning Round, that's it, yeah, okay, we can go with that. Content warning time. We're obligated to tell you before we start that this podcast contemplates both mature and immature themes. You might not like all the words we use or the ideas we bring up if you're sensitive about these things. Maybe this isn't the podcast for you. It's okay, we still love you. Beat it. Beat it. Hi, robot. Hi. What's cracking today? Well, it's funny because you woke up at the crack of whatever. I don't even know if dawn cracks on that coast that you live on, but you you texted me what's cracking and at a at an hour that I was like, there's no way he's awake. Yeah. And you said and you said what's cracking, and I immediately thought of crack. And the last time someone said to me, Hey, do you want to go get some crack? (laughs) <laughs> which was uh, which yeah. was 1989 that's what i was going for yeah <laughs> i don't I know did. i just... woke up <laughs> i woke i wake up so fucking early it's just it's just killing me but today i woke up and got on with my morning schedule i was like well i guess it's time i my friend Susie, we've had incredible rains i don't know if you've yeah, seen yeah, this yeah. but it has been berserk uh here in northern washington state and, uh, 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 my friend Susie called me yesterday. She's a teacher and she said, let's go day drinking. And I was like, well, okay. Cause I, I guess there was so much rain that, that school was, schools were called off. And so we went out and we tied a little bit of one on and had lunch and caught up. It was nice. Uh, and, um, yeah, so I woke up this morning and I was like, well, I'm not hungover. I'm going to get on with my day. And I went out and I drank my w- lemon water and I started to like prep and I looked at the clock and it was 1.58. <laughs> and I was just like, well, fuck. It's, uh, it's a wash. Like today is totally ruined for me. And I could barely get back to, I could barely get back to sleep. And then finally at five, I gave up. Oh. And, I, here, and here we are now. I woke up at four. Uh, and in the similar, like, okay, well, I guess now this is when today starts, mm-hmm. but I went back to bed and I was like, I'll just lay here and try to relax. And it, I did get back to sleep and I was deep in a, in a like bizarre dream when the alarm went off. And then I felt like I was swimming down a tunnel filled with water to try to find my phone to shut the alarm off. Mm. So that yeah, was sweet. So, okay. We're going to uh, we're going to really knock today's uh, episode out of the park then because we're both sleep deprived. Yeah, we're both struggling here. The other uh, the other thing you should know about me today is that I smell awful. Wow. And this is noteworthy because, um, you know, I had Lyme disease. <laughs> uh-huh. And so I was on the killer <laughs> antibiotics. Right. Yeah. And. 
Like yesterday, I was like, God, I smell bad. And I had showered and put on deodorant. I was like, why do I smell so bad? And then I like moved around a little and that made me smell even worse. And then I woke up this morning and I smelled bad and I went outside and I did vigorous activities. And then I smelled like, like, I don't know, like the coroner would have been like, Jesus, what's going on with you? Like B.O. smell or like you smell like rotting trash smell? No, like B.O., but like turned up to 11. And then I Mm. realized, so B.O. is just bacteria that lives in your armpits, right? And it's activated in certain certain scenarios by your body. Uh And I realized that I didn't smell before because the antibiotics had killed all the bacteria. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. So the, it's all coming back. And I'm, I'm, I'm having one of these probiotic beverages right now to try to replenish my. Yeah, big time. Those take uh, there's a really good um, uh, a supplement called BioCult um, that you take. You don't have to. It doesn't have to be refrigerated. And you should mix up your uh, your probiotics like you don't necessarily have to always use the same kind. In fact, I've come to learn that it's better to to mix it up because you're constantly just replenishing your system with the good stuff. Uh, this is brew doctor kombucha and it's the clear mind flavor, which is a lie. And, um, it's rosemary, mint, sage, and green tea. And the reason I'm telling you that is because the first time I had this, I was like, this tastes like a beer to me. Now I haven't, I haven't had a beer since 1992 so it's clear that my recollection of what beer tastes like is <laughs> a little skewed. Is broken. When I worked at Santa Cruz Bikes, this guy, he was the sales manager, a cat named Mariano, a really funny Spaniard. He gave me a kombucha and I opened it and drank it and I thought I was being tricked. I thought he gave me a rotten juice. Like I thought he was pranking me. Yeah. It tastes so fucking bad to me then. I mean, I can drink it now because I know what it's supposed to taste like, but it's a real acquired taste, I think. I think so. I have, I have acquired it. The first time my wife gave it to me, I was like, nope. Um, but I've subsequently come to enjoy its rottenness. Yeah. Whatever that yeah. is. It's fucking it's just another kooky, some more kooky shit that white people are into drinking rotten juice. Yeah. And Gwyneth Paltrow's vagina candles and listening to fucking Joe Rogan. (laughs) Anyhow, uh, I think we kind of peaked in episode 16. I was so proud of us last week. It was such a good episode. We start, there was the ascent. It peaked. There was the crescendo or whatever. Nice transition out uh, and a clean conclusion. And it was the first episode I recorded in my closet. And I hope that it sounds better than the other episodes have. Well, so we got nowhere to go but down today. I think you have a, a finer sense of how we're doing than I do. Um, so Steve listens to the episodes after we make them. <laughs> I'm a glutton for punishment. It was, <laughs> it was funny. My, uh, a friend of mine was... <clears throat> a friend of mine was... Um, was here and I had just received notification that, uh, that whatever episode, what I don't know, whatever the one of the, one of the, the most recent eight, I guess the most recent right. episode that's published. And she walked into the room just as I was saying, I don't particularly like listening to myself. And there I was 
caught red-handed <laughs> listening to myself <laughs> and I immediately turned it off and, and I got around to listening to it later. But I mean, it's, it's really sort of like from a critical, a constructively critical standpoint or perspective. I like to listen to what we do because I want to make it better. And I think that it is getting better because I'm, I'm more attentive to what's happening and less self-conscious about packaging a conversation. Uh, and, um, and I think I'm kind of in a better headspace than I was whatever, however many months ago. I think that's observably true. I've said that to you. <clears throat> yeah. I can't, I can't listen. I mean, like uh, for you times you've said, Hey, have you listened to this? Cause I think it's pretty good. And then I go and I listen to it and I'm like, no, I can't. I can't. But then I have friends who say, oh, I heard that episode and it was good. And I'm like, I just feel like I live in an alternate reality. When I was a kid, when I was a kid, I was convinced for a few years that everyone could hear what I was thinking. And they were all in on this secret that I had audible thoughts, but they were like, don't let him know because he's the one. He's the one whose thoughts we can hear. Yeah. And um, I kind of feel like that now when people talk about my work, whether it's I say work, people talk about my work, whether it's what we do or, or the writing. They're like, oh, I read that thing you wrote. It was amazing. And I'm like, mm, no, I don't. And I'm not trying to deflect um, compliments. I always say thank you and whatever. But in my head and this is maybe like a I don't have good self-esteem about it, but I'm like, I can't believe you would have listened to that and said, like, I came out. I came out better than I went in. But yeah. Well, I, I, you know, everybody, you know, you listen to a recording of your own voice and you never sound like you sound in your own head. Oh, yeah. And and I um I think I have a pretty clear idea. I feel like I I feel like I'm far more articulate than than I am when I listen to myself. I feel like I have this weird like almost like gross California drawl, but but I only hear it when I listen to recordings. I don't hear it when I speak out of my word hole yeah. in my face. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, when I worked for Seven, I was in, I was the marketing guy and so I was in all these videos and people would do recordings and whatever. And so I was constant, not constantly, but somewhat often like seeing myself, like here he is at nabs talking about this bike. And it was like, yeah. Oh God. I, I don't, I don't, I'm not a big fan of, of images of myself or, or footage of myself. That always kind of makes my skin crawl. Right. So it's like, Jesus Christ, is my nose that big? It doesn't look it, it doesn't look that big in the mirror, but, it, but then I see a picture or, or video of me, and I'm just kind of I don't know. It's I'm, I'm not I'm not attracted to my own. Who is that? Who is the guy who fell in the lake? Who's um uh, oh, nar- nar- narcissus narcissus? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're a society of narcissists, right? So I'm trying to offset that by not knowing what I look like. Yeah. Yeah. Anyhow, we had uh, we had a brief uh, what uh, like a split second meeting this morning about like, what the fuck are we going to talk about today? Yeah. And you shot off uh, while you said lightning round in the beginning of this. Uh, you said, I think we should uh, move to a slightly simpler formula, which well, like, I, you know, then simpler than nothing. Well, I, I feel <laughs> like we before just, we were trying to deliver you know, like let's talk about mental health. And then we would spend an hour 
Okay. Chasing each other's tails like at the dog park. And then yeah. at the end, we'd be like, oh, what did we even say? And now what? Yeah. Right. Okay. I, okay. That makes sense. Uh, you said a simpler formula where we just sim- simpler formula where we just answer three to five questions per week. Uh, and so what robots come up with here for us today, which we will probably start on and then spin off wildly and then still come to the same conclusion of like, <laughs> what did we do? Uh, what's the best bike you ever had? And why was it so great? That was the first. That's the first question. And I came up with that question because I was like, oh, you know, like we don't really talk about bikes enough on our cycling podcast. No, I guess not. Um, And it's I mean, it's not that we don't like bikes. It's just that there's so much. There's so much, so much more to life. Yeah. It's a great foundational sort of catalyst for a number of. Uh, wonderful relationships and wonderful experiences, but, uh, you know, like the technology itself, I could, I don't really give a shit. (laughs) Well, when I say the best bike, I don't mean the best bike, like in dollars or in technology. I mean, the one that rocked your world most completely. Probably like, uh, I don't know. I got, you know, my first like proper mountain bike was this old Fisher uh Kukui Koo, I think, that got swiped. Broke my heart, but it was this sort of salmon color and it was like, you know, that I didn't understand how rapid fire shifting worked and and uh, or it might have had friction shifting. Probably had friction shifting. Uh and then my and then I got a Trek nine seventy. Later I saved up and, and got a Trek nine seventy. But I was riding mountain bikes with this guy, Danny Norton, who was, uh, he was this like wild haired caveman kid that I met in college from Los Gatos in Northern California. And he, he always, he was just this total, he was just insane. Like like hiking boots and, uh, overalls with no shirt on. And that was his standard uniform. Like it, like rain or shine. That was what, and he would ride bikes that were, um, that were too big for him or too small for him. And he was probably one of the most proficient bike riders I've ever ridden with. Like the guy could climb like a fucking goat and he was just lightning fast on descents and technically adept. And I just didn't, I just didn't understand like how he was so skilled on a bike. Um, so uh, subsequently I ended up getting a, you know, what, to what I could afford, which to my mind was the nicest mountain bike in the world, which it really wasn't. But that was probably, you know, it was so formative and learning about myself as a cyclist or, or a mountain biker, or a, even, you know, air quote, I use the term loosely for sure. And an athletic being, um, that was pretty exciting for me. So the bike wasn't that great. It was just all of the experiences again, that were that surrounded it. And eventually I got, you know, I upgraded to a Bontrager race and then I just, you know, then I was down the fucking rabbit hole, but it was those, those first ones I think were probably my favorites. Although I don't think I would want to ride them today. Yeah. When I wrote the question, the first, I was like, well, what's my answer? And uh, I had, it was my first BMX bike, which was a Peugeot CPX 100. And I, and I don't even think it said Peugeot on it. I think it just said, that's my recollection. Yeah. I didn't even think of that. Cause that's like, that goes even further back. (laughs) And I was just thinking of like in the last 30 years, but 
Yes. Yeah, I'm talking about 1980. I got a Kuwahara um, Nova. Yeah. That I then traded this fucking stupid Hessian kid. I don't know what I traded. He like extorted a bunch of money out of me or something. He had some CW bars. Remember those? With the mm. it was just the the top bar of the bar just went straight across. Yeah, yeah. Ridiculous looking, but you would have wanted really to want clip that. a pad on that. Yes, yes, yeah. So you're right. Yeah. Oh, I take it back. Everything I just said, I scratched that. It was my first BMX bike. <laughs> Fuck all those mountain bikes. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, when I got that BMX bike, which was not a fly mountain bike, uh, BMX bike at the time, but I didn't know. Mm. I was, I was, uh, what, eight? Yeah. Um, it was just the transition from having this crappy little kid's bike that was sort of like begrudgingly take you places to this bike mm. that was like, I will jump off plywood cinder block ramps at the absolute top speed my little legs can manage. Yeah. And that transition was like, that was it. That was it. Everything else after that. The only other bike that comes close is this really terrible Trek Antelope that I got when I came to Boston. It was the only bike I could afford. I think it was like 300. It was advertised at 300. And I think with tax and everything, it was like 315. And I was kind of like, but I only have 300. And I don't know how I got, <laughs> I got the other money. But then I rattle canned it bright yellow. And I rode that bike all over the city for a bunch of years. And it was like coming from Alabama to the city and like then having basically the keys to the city. Mm -hmm. That was also equally mind expandingly awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that's a it's an interesting question. I, I um, you know, I, I, I can't remember if we were recording. Can't remember if we were recording or not, but um talking about how stories kind of open the door for stories. I can't come up with anything off the top of my head, but as soon as the story, you start with a story, then, and then it, then it changes my perspective. And I, I remember all of these components that like, uh, that I wanted to touch on. Cause it's, what is it like, you know, your best bike is always your next one or your favorite bike is always your next one or something. Uh, somebody said something like that. Like they're all, they're all the formative experiences we've talked about, uh, you know, your bike basically allowing this sense of freedom and independence when you're a kid and you can get on this thing and you can go as far as your body will take you or as far as you feel safe, uh, you know, without getting lost or run over, kidnapped, because apparently like in the 80s, it we were all supposed to drink milk and not get kidnapped. That was, those were the two things that were, that were important. Yep. Cornerstones of existence. Uh, so, um, yeah, the bike that I was riding, the first, the bike I learned on was this total clapped out. It was basically held together by rust. Same. And I think a na neighbor gave it to me. And I would love that just sat underneath my parents' deck until I'm sure it went to the dump, you know, when I went to college. But I would love to have that just as like a conversation piece. You know, this was the bike I learned on. This was my first bike. And it just hangs on the ceiling. I had one like that, too. My brother had had it before me. And like the chain guard was bent so that every time you went around, it went like ting, uh -huh. ting. And I, but I wish I had that bike now. I wish I had it. You know how some like... uh 
when you were a kid, you get like a bee that's in amber, like that little dome, but that it's got a bee inside it and it's clear. And you're like, oh, look at the bee. I never. What? Do you know what I'm talking you, about? Like It'd be pit, like a little a... clump of glass or a little dome of glass. And then it would have like an insect frozen inside it. Oh, like amber. You, yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. I, I thought you were talking about like a little thing where you got a pet bee and you had like a little dome that your bee lived in. <laughs> no, I love that story better, though. Let's just tell that one. No, I wish I had my first bike in one of those amber things and it was just plopped in the middle of my living room and everyone right. just had to work around it. Right. Yeah. Okay. I understand what you're saying now. Uh, it would be, I mean, that's the sort of thing that, you know, millionaires spend their money on is, is recreating their first love, their first, you know, their, or, or their, I, I just, you know, I want my first car or I want my first, whatever it is, the first thing that sort of solidified who you were or what you loved or what you learned about yourself or something. And definitely having, having that bicycle would be it. A fun thing. Well, I think, and I think this is what sort of what you and I were talking about a second ago. It's all been downhill since those first bikes, right? Like those first bikes were like, I was, I was fucking Indiana Jones and Han Solo and E.T. rolled into one when I had those bikes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Whereas now, I mean, in objective terms, the bikes I have now, I have, because I worked at seven, I have a bunch of custom bikes that are built for me that are amazing amazing far like they're better bikes than i am a bike rider by leaps and bounds it's not even a question but you know those those first bikes are the ones that cracked your mind open but that's kind of circling back to to you know trying to chase the feeling of um of uh being the kid in the vacant lot, you know, like you're always, you're always trying to recapture that, that proverbial bottled lightning. Yeah. Oh, you know, yeah. you're always trying to chase that feeling, whether you admit it or whether you recognize it or not. I think that's at least, I don't know, for, for my friends and me, I think that's the thing that we're always going for. Yeah. Like you can, you can train and get race results and whatever the fuck your, your poison is or why you, why you think you ride a bike. But at least for me, it's, it's always just trying to be trying to recapture that, that magic or that energy or that excitement. Yeah. And now being a grown up, you're bored and the world has beaten you down and everything hurts and <laughs> you ride to chase the pain away or whatever but ultimately riding out and goofing around in the woods with your friends is just it's just the best it's just the best i'm going to do a thing that um i'm going to bring up skateboarding instead of you there's a great and you've seen it i know you have there's a great interview with john cardiel where he talks about like what he's into is the energy. Like you go to the spot and you start to skate with your friends and it gets like it builds and it builds. And then you just have this energy that just makes you want to do awesome things. And it feels great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I always, uh, I, that, that energy always, I, f- what's the, what's the phrase or what's the adage? Uh, like, 
fighting outside of your class or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, like yeah. I get super hyped and then I and then I like fling myself off an overpass or whatever, which is a true story. Like I was just after the Oakland Hills fire um, in 1991 and all of the hills or all of the houses in the hills burned down, there was a bonanza of empty pools that we would skate. I think I heard about 18 pools that that existed and I think I skated nine of them through that fall and the winter and the following spring and summer. I mean, there was one pool that was just, it was skatable forever for years. But, um, after one particular, like especially fun session, I was just so amped up and I'd like, I jumped off an overpass and broke my (laughs) wrist. Like it doesn't, you know, like I just, I couldn't contain myself. And then, and I think like John is an example of somebody who can channel that energy and and I am an example of somebody who doesn't have the skill, so I just do something stupid. N- not so much anymore. Well, I mean, I think <clears throat> whether he he he's he is he has that thing. Uh, he's a talent doper, right? He's got talent. <laughs> um, oh, to burn to burn, to and burn. anybody who's listening to this, uh, he was injured. And doctors, I think like, like paralyzed from the waist down or something. Doctors were saying like, you're not going to walk again. And he was like, you know, he is, he is historically just one of, one of the best all around skateboarders like ever. ever. Yep. And, um, not only does he walk again, but he, he just wouldn't say he wouldn't, he wouldn't, he didn't, he couldn't take no, he wouldn't take no for an answer. Like he, he skates, he rides a bike. He's just a fucking madman, you know? There is a great, it may be the same interview or the same video, but that he tells the story about the doctors telling him he wouldn't walk in front of his mom and him mm-hmm. being so mad. And, and what he was said, I don't know whether he said it out loud or, or just said it to himself. He's like, fuck you, you don't know me. <laughs> Which, <laughs> and then to see him ride his bike and do all the stuff that he does now is yeah. unbelievable. He's definitely, um, I'm not one for heroes, but there's some. He's awesome. Yeah. He's awesome. He's just like his energy, his whole, his whole spirit. I wish I, if a doctor told me, well, you're not going to walk again. I'd be like, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I guess yeah. I guess you're right cuz I it's just like that's just kind of how my that's just kind of how my brain is wired. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's remarkable, I think. But but having said that, I think you you and I, I mean, I still do bigger better things when I'm in that environment like with my friends, you know, things whip up. I become more yeah. willing to try shit. I become more willing to try to be awesome. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a monkey do monkey see monkey do thing. Yeah. You know, if like I, there's a lot of stuff, the, just the riding around here is, is so nuts and everybody is such a good bike rider because the trails are so technical. Uh, and then, so riding with people around here, I do, I kind of like, again, I kind of find myself sometimes fighting a little bit outside of my class. And then all of a sudden I'm doing stuff that if I was by myself, I would think better of it. (laughs) Right. You know, but I've also, you know, had a year of recovery after a pretty, um, pretty catastrophic, uh, injury a number of years ago. So, uh, subsequently 
uh, I, you know, I'm, I tend to tread a little more cautiously when I'm by myself. And, and maybe that's, maybe that's just a natural component of aging or whatever. I definitely do that when I'm by myself. I'm, I see something that I would do in a group and I'm like, Ooh, maybe no one is here to drag you out of these woods. Maybe you shouldn't, mm-hmm. maybe you don't want to make that phone call today. And you've dragged yourself, you're, you've dragged yourself out of the woods in the past. Like you've gotten to a point where you got a little bit over your head oh, and very. I too have done that. And it's a real bummer to have to like, okay, well do see, I'm pretty hurt or I'm pretty shelled. And, uh, and I guess maybe I live here now. Maybe this is my new <laughs> <Right>. home. <laughs> That's exactly right. Definitely. Yeah. Like, uh, I definitely had the thought. Oh, there's no way they could get a helicopter in here. Yeah. 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 Uh, so off, off point a little, or off topic a little bit, but that was, uh, I mean, back to being on, being on our favorite bikes. Yeah. Did you, is your, uh, is your audio sound a little fuzzy or buzzy or something? Anything? No, I feel, I sound like a, I sound like, um, a sweet angel singing. Hmm. Okay. I guess it's just, I guess it's just me then. It's just in your Uh, head. Every, all of the voices. So Uh, next question. Yeah. What is or was the best bike magazine ever? I think I know your answer, but let's have it. Uh, there was, uh, there used to be a free, one of my favorites was, it was a free, uh, sort of news newspaper but like bike zine kind of a thing like that was where i first learned about Farin- mike farentino and eric richter used to write periodically for it and tim parr used to write periodically for it called the california bicyclist or maybe it was the northern california bicyclist and it was a big format newsprint like thing. a tabloid i think kind of yeah yeah that was um i, I really like that they do uh there was a woman who used to make a fanzine. Uh, her name was Greta Mudflap, and she did like she just did this like bike punk feminist card comic strip zine thing, and and she would periodically show up in that. And again, it was kind of like I was sort of cutting my teeth in in this scene and first learning about single speed mountain bikes and stuff. And so I really loved uh, I really loved that. But contemporarily, and and something that you know, most folks would probably know about would be like the early issues of bike magazine were stellar because they weren't, it wasn't just about like cam loops and free riding and stunts and stuff, but it was bikes, you know, it was like stories about random nine ball, you know, the, what was it? Uh, this mountain bike team from Africa lost all their bikes and they somehow made it to Vail for a nationals race and they were loaned bikes and these guys had never ridden anything that looked anything like Vail. And there was a whole article in bike magazine about these guys and nobody else. It never, it wasn't even a blip in any other radar. So I, I really liked that bike was kind of forward thinking. And was that and, when Joe Parkin was running that? No, no, it was, it was way before that. Um, Do you want to say uh, something nice about Joe since we're just stealing because I just set him up for like a, a third third party or third person home run, and then I and then took the ball off the tee. 
Well, he did have it. It was it was great. And he had every intention to like, you know, we talked about this when he first took jo- the job as editor to do things like um, there was an old skateboard magazine called Big Brother and they released one issue like a calendar, I think. And they released an issue in a cereal box and you got all this junk in the box when you got the issue. list. So like we were kind of contemplating about or or discussing uh, changing up what, a, you know, traditional magazine format. Um, and he had all kinds of wild ideas that he wanted to implement. And, you know, ultimately, I think the powers that be being the, the owners of the magazine, Peterson or whoever the fuck it was at the time, I think they just kind of wore him down and, you know, he couldn't do he couldn't do all the cool shit that he wanted to do. But the but the era of bike magazine that I really loved was the very, very beginning of it, um, like the first bunch of episodes or the first bunch of issues rather. And, um, and, uh, and again, it was just cause it was sort of a formative time for me and I was learning about people and learning about stuff and learning about cyclocross. And, you know, I was like this, this weird, uh, outsider group of weirdos and, and bike seemed to sort of focus on, on that. But I also loved paved magazine, which was the magazine that Parkin went on to edit. It was like road road centric that was a great magazine i loved that and i loved writing for it and the photos were great and um of course dirt rag was just a rough and tumble little zine from the beginning to its end i don't think i honestly i don't think i have a favorite but i do i just love magazines you know like i just love magazines as a as a form of media uh tactile you know it's not a it's not a website or a, a blog or whatever. This is something that you can carry with you. And I feel like even if it's black and white and the pictures are like photocopied, I still like those pictures better than a lot of web web based mm-hmm. pictures, <laughs> even if yeah. they're high res. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But again, that is kind of like, I think that's just generally our aesthetic. You Coming know, out that of the zine goes, era. For sure. Yeah. There's something, it's something, you can see the, the same reason I don't like going into museums. Like I would rather see paintings in a studio or I'd rather be in someone's studio. You can sort of take part of the process. And I feel like those, those, uh, the, the magazines that were not so glossy and not so polished spoke to that appreciation more than the ones that were nice and large format and slick right you know slick paper and the whole thing when you brought up greta mudflaps which i assume is her given name um yeah she's a filmmaker in san francisco i tracked her down actually for an issue of dirt rag i totally lost track of her she's like a film professor at san francisco state or something now but yeah greta mudflap she is um you can still, if you Google Greta Mudflap, you can still see little uh, examples of her work. Daughter of Harry and Elizabeth Mudflap. Perhaps. Yeah. It reminded me of um, this cartoon. When I was in college here in Boston, there was a music magazine called The Noise. And I feel like it's, that's crossed my radar at some point. Maybe. Yeah. We would read The Noise because the show listings were there, you know, pre-internet. So you would be like, oh, you know, these are the bands that are going to be here in the next month. Mm-hmm. And they had a cartoon. I don't know who did the cartoons, but the the, the cartoon was called Skullcracker X. And Skullcracker <laughs> X would <laughs> basically 
just brain bike thieves with a U-lock every every third panel. And for it. some reason that stuck with me. Like, yeah. Yeah, I wonder if the content was that much better back then or if we were just more receptive to what was being produced, you know, because it was all you it was, you know, if you're so starved for information and the one little bit, you know, you see that I remember there was no I had no access to any skateboard magazines or media or anything when I was small, you know, 12, 13 years old. And PM magazine was this like evening magazine. Uh, did a feature on skateboarding and I was just like, it was the first time I'd seen it. It was the first time I'd seen like what it looked like or what it sounded like or anything. And I was just absolutely enraptured, you know, and I feel similarly to if you don't have access to bike magazines and you don't know what any of that, you don't know about gear and you don't like, you're looking at pictures of John Tomac riding downhill on drop bars and you're just like, wow. The fuck with the Tioga disc wheel? What is this? Why? Right, I don't right. understand any of this. It's really, you just are, you're absorbing every little nuance of everything. Well, I think it's two things. I think there's one where we were starved for the content or we were starved. Like we were both attracted to these weirdo niche cultures. And oh. so we're starved for information. We're starved for opportunities to participate with them somehow. And at the same time, because people don't have universal access to like the latest Red Bull edit or the latest, right. you know, Thrasher video part or whatever, everyone is creating in a vacuum. So you have all of these people who aren't aren't like under the undue influence. Like there's a ton of great content now, obviously, and I love all of the big whatevers. I love all of it. Like I'm on I'm a YouTube junkie. But there is a sense of like they are replicating each other's work. They're stealing each other's ideas and the pace of it is really quick. So you're like people, someone could do an amazing uh, mountain bike, you know, like a five minute mountain bike edit. And I'd be like, yeah, I mean, that guy is like a singular talent and I've never seen someone jump out of a helicopter. But because uh, that's kind of like that shit comes out every other day. Now it doesn't yeah. penetrate the same way. Like someone drawing a cartoon in stick figures about a guy braining bike thieves with a U-lock was like, Oh, <laughs> Oh, these are my yeah. people. Like people who I, well, have U-locks. I think there's, I think there's really something to that. And it's, it's interesting that you bring that up because I just had a conversation with a friend of mine about that very thing like there was even when Danny Mask Macaskill Danny McCaskill Ma- McCaskill <laughs> back. This is now my favorite it, moment in the show. <laughs> when his first video came out and nobody had ever heard of him and saw the things like he, he it was however many millions of views now yeah. and that was a that was a thing. Now just recently, not very long ago, Red Bull did did this edit where this guy like rides off a roof into this rant and his whole network of, of skinnies and ramps and all of this amazing engineering outside of this house in this, in these woods. And he rides down this. Oh, Chris Kyle, they, Chris Kyle video. How fucking long did it take just to build the shitty road on to build the shitty road on to edit it to yeah. for the drone footage and all of that stuff. And it was like, now what? 
you know, yeah. like now we're on to the next thing. And that was just I, I don't understand that previously that would have been like video of the year. And now it's just this quick little advertising marketing. I mean, I think that was a great video. If project. people haven't seen it, go on YouTube and just go, uh, search for Chris Kyle uh, with K's. K, Chris with a K and Kyle with a K. Um, when is Kyle ever with anything else? Anyway, um, that is a great video, but it definitely didn't impact me the way the first Danny McCaskill video. I saw the first Danny McCaskill video and I was like, oh, this guy, this guy has reinvented uh, bikes. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we all thought we were riding bikes before, but this guy just is has redone it, and now it's a different thing now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was, uh, I mean, it was like the 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 soundtrack. He, you know, I think he kind of helped put Band of Horses on the map. Yeah. Um. Uh. And I think at the time he was just like some kid working in a bike shop. Like I, yeah. I mean that, and that even adds to the to the power of it is he's just this wildly talented kid that nobody's ever heard of before. Right. And he's just, like, he and his buddies go out and shoot this thing, not realizing that they're going to change. They're going to flip the entire script. Yeah. You know, it, it's just, it's, in, it's nuts. Yeah. There's, uh, there are great videos with Chris Kyle and Danny McCaskill doing asinine things on BMX bikes in the city and then on mountain bikes in the woods and, Whatever. I, I, I watch all those videos, but you're right that the first one always um, hits you so much harder. But back to <clears throat> there, I did just look up. I, yeah, Chris, K-R-I-S-S, two S's, Kyle. That, I, I forgot that's how he, his name was spelled. Um, so it's just incredible, but kind of forgotten. And yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, what's the the kid? He, he rides for either GT or Mongoose, and he would always do like he was kind of like the other Danny. I don't know so, something. Oh, in the water. Fabio Widmer. Uh, no. Ah, uh, is wrong with me? Pocket. Uh, well, I mean, here's one for you. Another. Here's one for you because Danny McCaskill, the first Danny McCaskill video, what he did to my brain was the same thing the first time I saw Hans Ray ride. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I suppose, I suppose so. But I, I think I was just, it was different because trials, like I was familiar with trials, motorcycle stuff growing up. And then, you know, there was actually a trials bike that was tested in BMX action and I read about that. And so like, I knew that that was a thing. And then watching Hans Ray, he's, you know, super talented. But I just, I guess it was just like, it was, it was almost like using, he would, I just see him doing stuff on like blocks or like ready-made stuff or logs or uh big, spool, you know, uh, industrial spools that they use for power lines or whatever. Like it was stuff like that. Those were the trials competitions and that was, but I never saw it applied to a natural environment or a city environment. I feel like Hans Ray actually did that crossover a little bit because I think watching trials, I love trials, but watching it on the courses that they design is sort of like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, leaves you a little bit cold, but I feel like Hans Ray did bring it to life, but then, and I bought his videos. I bought like all the VHS tapes that he made. <laughs> um, he was a real personality too. Yeah. You know, that was, that was part of it. It was like, you know, it was like the whole, 
package. For Chris sure. Akrig. Chris Akrig. That's oh, the fellow. Oh, I love was. Chris Akrig. I love Chris Akrig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a monster. He. I feel like I feel like he's the you know like are you in the Slayer camp or are you in the Metallica camp? Are you in the Chris Akrig camp or are you in the Danny Mekaskiskal camp? Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, Chris Chris Akrig is like. Oh, you don't have to build anything for me. I'll just find the gnarliest. Just point me at some shit that doesn't look rideable, and then I'll make a video for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's my those are my favorite. They they, it seems like they used to come out about once a month. Yeah, and he's a videographer. He like he makes shoots his own stuff and shoots um, photos. And I think he, I think he is a unique. Danny's got a real cleaned up vibe now, and I think Chris Akrig. keeps it dirty in a way that I like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, likewise. So uh, favorite magazine. What did we what did we decide? All of them? Yeah. Yeah. Magazines are awesome. Magazines are awesome. Whether regardless of what you're reading about, it's just a super cool format. And I think I wish everybody would go make their own magazines because that's a super fun project to do. Kind of inspired me. Uh, fun, fun little crimes. That's going to be my next magazine. Oh, I want to make a magazine called Fun Little Crimes that we, I decided that uh, with a friend who was visiting. Because I was talking about getting arrested one time and I got arrested for a fun little crime. It wasn't a, it wasn't a big bad crime. It was a fun little crime. And I was like, ah, oh, fanzine name. Cool. Yeah. Uh, and what's the next thing? What's, what's, uh, oh, the last, the last question on the docket today is if you could be in any one band past, <sighs> this is the fun one. This is like, this is me throwing you like a, but look for listeners at home, Steve was now clawing at his face because he's completely <laughs> overwhelmed. I basically was like, Welcome to Wonka's Chocolate Factory. You can have anything you want. And his brain ran out his ears. Uh, it's it's such a loaded it's such a loaded topic because I always wonder, you know, like paint like my favorite painters and my favorite artists. Do they look? Is it possible for my favorite creators to look at what they do and love it to the degree that I do? And I don't think that it is, you know. But like. What a loss for them. You're in band, you're in band, whatever. And you make shit that like the sun rises and sets on as far as I'm concerned. And I can't, I can't put it in my ears enough. I can't, like, I want (laughs) to bathe in it. I want to eat it. I want to put it all over my hair. I want it everywhere. (laughs) I want, and, but like you made it and you don't get to have that same experience. I'm sure that you probably have that same experience with other forms of media or artwork or music or absolutely. what have you absolutely but um, that, that's what's fun about this question that's what's fun about this question because like i've been in bands and i like you play your own song so much that you sort of love hate them it's not the same as like a fan who as you say just wants to like have it in their butt like just mm-hmm. let me have this more but when i think of this question for me i already have the answer to this question And it's easy because for me, like I, I, I play guitar very badly, but I do have the the feeling of what it's like to play in a band. And so then when I think about what band I would want to be in, I think like what band would be fun? Like, it's not about what, who my favorite band is. It's not like, what's like, would I like to be able to deliver this song and make everybody cry? And You know, like, it's not about that. It's more like if I was going to get on stage and play a set, which one would be the most fun? 
Yeah. And the answer for me is drive like Jehu. You like early drive like Jehu. Early drive like Jehu because <sighs> it's just this chaos of sound. And that to me is would be so fun to make. I never got to see them. Um, they, when they were like, you know, right after, uh, 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 what the fuck was that? Was the first album just the, with the duct tape on it? Was it just drive like Jehu? Um, Yank crime was the second one. I'm terrible uh, at the names of things. It's getting, my, my brain is, is becoming in real time. It's like slowing down <laughs> every day. It, it's like, I find a new thing that, um, I find a new thing that I've forgotten or I can't, I can't recall or whatever stuff that I should be able to, uh, they would be in Colorado like the day after I left, or they would be in the Bay area the day after I left. And it went like this for years. I never saw them in, in the heyday. Right. Uh, I didn't see, I didn't see the, I've seen the hot snakes a number of times. I've seen, um, uh, variations of Rick Froberg's uh, uh, bands, but I never saw, never got to see Drive, Drive Like Jehu in their prime. Right. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a tricky, I would, I would probably say if I could be in any band at, in any era, it would probably be 1982 era Bad Brains. Yeah, it, that's yeah. the same vibe, right? It's the same vibe because you can imagine just being going insane on stage. And like the whole experience enough, is just insane. Being a proficient enough musician that you can go berserk and still play right. like that to me, like I can go berserk that, that, you know, that's easy. But my fingers aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing or, or my hands aren't doing what they're supposed to be doing. I, I, I loved, I think it was Adam Horowitz. Maybe one of the beastie boys said in regard to the bad brains was the most intense part of any bad Brains show was a split second before the song started. And that like it <laughs> that always, because I mean, it gives me chills and, and to think like watching footage, watching old footage and just like, like feeling the skin crawling up the back of my head. Yeah. Like to think that I get that sensation from simply watching a, a, a almost 40 year old video. Yeah. I can't imagine what that would be like to, to experience in real life. Right. Like just fucking staggering. Uh, yeah, so I'd, I'd say them, of course, like a huge Rocket from the Crypt fan. Of course, we've talked about them a bunch of times. I adore, I adore Rocket from the Crypt. I love Rocket from the Crypt too, but they're too organized for me. They, they, <laughs> well, that, that kind of, I think that kind of ultimately sort of broke the people in the band because they would practice like fucking, it, it, like a, a work shift. Yeah. Like yeah, they yeah. would practice for hours a day. And you can't not get, that package so sick and so tight without getting so sick of it. So, so sick of it. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that, you know, and that's why they play once a year now. And, you know, I've seen interviews with them and they said they just had to, they had to let it go because it was turning into too much of a thing. Yeah. It's too, it took the joy out of it. Yeah. Um, maybe, uh, early era monster magnet. That would be real fun because you're also dealing with like you, you're like all of the mind expanding drugs and, 
the travel and the, uh, I'm sure just a ridiculous amount of Caligulan sex <laughs> and that would be fun. Uh, the other conversation that some kind of relates to this, it's a little more of a mind bender is, um, like I, it's, I was a, a big fan of would you rather, oh. uh, uh, it, when I worked in a bike shop and it would be like, would you rather, uh, drink a ladle of the soup from a overfilled portalette or wear a gallon bag full of fleas and mosquitoes and chiggers on your head for 24 hours. Right. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. So just, just the grossest things, but we were talking about bands. So would you rather be on a 360 day world tour with the bands, uh, what Creed or <laughs> crazy town? You're the guitarist, you're the studio guitarist, you're the session guitarist, and you get, well, all the trappings, whatever, you get the travel, you get the food, you get the accolades or whatever, or, you know, like two of the bands that are just totally fucking unlistenable to you, which? What, uh, would, but who is Crazy Town? Who, what, what did they do? Butter, butterfly. The singer was, looked like a glazed turkey, like a <laughs> tattooed glazed turkey, you know? butterfly it's i'm not gonna fucking i don't want that song in my head well i'll just i'll substitute the i don't know who that is so i'm gonna substitute the band smash mouth <laughs> okay you're in smash mouth or, or four non-blondes oh <laughs> god <laughs> oh jesus so uh, that's a fun that's a fun game can i drink the toilet water instead <laughs> Yeah. Oh, I mean, you know, the thing is, we talked about this in an early episode. I'm pretty bad about being a music snob. Like, in my heart, music is good. If you make music, you're doing the right thing. Uh, your taste is different than mine. Great. Do what you got to do. But in reality, like, I, I, I would end it. I think I would end it if I had to be... <laughs> Like I, of the four options of the toilet water or the mosquito flea thing or the two bands, I would take the mosquito flea 24 hour. Uh, it's a, I mean, like I as much as I love the music that I love, I I loathe, loathe the music that I loathe. I loathe the music that I don't. Yeah, that, same. yeah it's just just. Just the worst, but it's such a fun, it's such a fun thing to contemplate. Vice magazine used to do a, um, a would you rather, there was always really funny would you rathers. And I remember one was you had to dance everywhere you were standing, you had to dance and you, it wasn't just like an easy shuffle, but it was like you were fully getting down anytime you, if you were in line at the bank, <laughs> if you were at your Mima's funeral, yeah, uh, it didn't matter. You were dancing as hard as you could dance or every meal for a year is an overcooked steak and a glass of whole milk. <laughs> oh. <laughs> like, God. I love it. I love what's would your, you what would you Well, of those two? You would dance. I bet I dance. Yeah. yeah. I, I think I eat the steak. You'd be dude. That would kill you in a month. <laughs> 
I mean, win-win. Um, uh, dance, how, think about how totally ripped you would be. That's after. a good point. I've, I, I would say you had to dance for six months, whatever. Right. And you were just constantly moving. I went to get a COVID booster last night and we went to this community college to do it. And we walked in and the woman said to us, oh, just line up against the wall. And I was in my head, I was immediately like, oh, they're going to shoot us. <laughs> And I and, and in the moment I was like, ah, all right. Well, I mean, the time comes for everybody. So I kind of right. feel like, would you rather I'm, I'm every would you rather to me should have the option or get put down behind the barn. Mm. Four non blondes are put down behind the barn, the barn. I'll take the barn. <laughs> Whereas you mosquitoes and fleas, I would choose mosquitoes and fleas over the barn. <laughs> you you have to play. That that what's up song every night oh. for 360 days. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I'm so. Oh, it's just the good news from this conversation is that I don't know who this band Crazy Town is. Like I haven't oh. been molested, ear molested by them. So that's awesome. Google it. I don't uh, know. I'm not going to. Well, how? Do- oh, I think I have to. It's it's the uh it was so so it was Butterf- so bad. But when you you. You'll know it's 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 not it's it's as bad as it I think as bad as it gets. You know what I you know what I hate? This happened the other day. I was I was on the Internet, you know, the Internet. And um, yeah. Oh, wait. There we go. You don't know this? Oh, shit. Yeah, I think I thought that was. I thought that was. Um, I just thought that was Limp Biscuit, which is funny, because I was about to say that I saw a thing the other day where like the guitar player from Limp Biscuit was talking about some band that I like, mm-hmm. and I was like, how disappointing that the guitar player for Limp Biscuit and I have an overlapping musical taste. I think he's a really interesting character. Wes Borland, I think his name is. Yeah, I think yeah, he's yeah. a really interesting character and by far uh, in the, a co- the coolest totally biscuit. Different, <laughs> a totally different route. Like, why, why, how is it that you ended up in this band that's so terrible? Yeah. I don't know. I don't and, know anything about him. Maybe he's cooler than I think. But I was, you know, it's like finding out got, that Michael Bolton really, Michael Bolton was at the first Bad Brains shows and. and that's what he listens well, to. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. Um uh yeah. Uh that may actually reminded me that Rick Ocasek recorded the first first he recorded the he recorded Bad Brains. He did. Like the first Bad Brains record. Uh I think he recorded Rock for Light. Is that okay. their first record? I don't think it is, but he that was the I think that was the only one. I think um I'm going to get it wrong, so I'm not going to say anything. I was going to okay. say I thought Don Ziantara did it, but that's not right. That can't be right. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember anymore. I don't remember anything. I don't remember yeah. th- like things that I should remember from just like a week ago, let alone right. something that like so trivial. Yeah. Uh, well, anyway, uh, fuck, man. Uh, would you rather? We yeah. a lot of bands we'd like to be in. We yeah. have our favorite bikes and yep. magazines. We did it. Yeah, we nailed it. Uh, and without the with a little weird little technical glitch right in the middle of this, I think we maybe banged out an hour. So I hope it works. Good for us, everybody. Yeah. I mean, good for us, robot. Yeah. 
Uh, until let's see what else. Uh, cycling independent. Uh, who rides the tiger? Uh, send questions. I can't remember my Stevel at cyclingindependent.com. If you have questions you'd like for me to field on the website, uh, advice stuff. Go to Stevel's website, all hail the blacket, black, the blacket, all hail the black market.com and buy some shit because, um, his band-aids don't pay for themselves. That's the goddamn truth. Uh, so until next time, yeah, uh, this is Stevel and robot saying don't forget don't change him <laughs> <laughs>